Welcome to the Climate Report. This is Hart Hagen, your host, and we are on episode number 260. Today the topic is people first. So what do I mean by people first? What I, what I mean by people first is that you know all of our public policies should put people first, and yet they don't, and not even close. So for example, top of the list, war does not put people first. So you know, the, the United States has been going for full spectrum dominance in its military strategy for a long time. Full spectrum dominance means domination of air, land, sea, space, and cyberspace. So we're going to go for full spectrum dominance. We're going to seek to dominate the entire world in the air, land, sea, space, and cyberspace. And yet, does that serve the American people? We know it does not serve the people in the countries that are unfortunate enough to be our enemies, like, you know, going back to Vietnam, Iraq, Indonesia, Guatemala, Libya, Syria. These are just a few countries that have been unfortunate enough to be the enemies of the United States. And we know that when the United States goes for full spectrum dominance, that it, it does not serve the people of Vietnam or Syria or Libya or Iraq. But also, full spectrum dominance does not serve the people of the United States. So our defense policy, our foreign policy, is one example of a policy that does not serve the people first. One would think that all public policies, especially in a democracy, should serve the people first, and yet our government, in many respects, our public policy does not serve the people first. So how does this relate to climate? This is the climate report, and everything we talk about should, at some level, relate to climate. And our goal here in this show and in the climate movement is and should be how to solve the problem of climate change. So how do we solve the problem of climate change? Well, if you ask Hart Hagen, the way you solve the problem of climate change is to make sure we have a government that is of, by, and for the people. So we've been told that our government is of the people, by the people, for the people. That's a famous line from Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. He said, you know, we're here to ensure and hope and wish and pray that the government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Those are strong words. Those are poetic words. Those are words that we all feel in our hearts. We want to have a government that is of the people, by the people, for the people. And we want to know that our government is of the people, by the people, for the people. After all, we are the United States of America, and we are 
the strongest democracy on earth. We are the longest living democracy. I mean, there was a democracy way back in Greece, but didn't include women or slaves. But then that was way a long time ago. And then Rome had something of a republic, but that was only for people who owned land. And then the United States came along and we rebelled against the king. And the story that we've been told in our history classes is that we rebelled against the king and we established a democracy. So legend has it that Benjamin Franklin came out of Independence Hall in Philadelphia at the end of a constitutional convention and he was asked by a woman on the street, Mr. Franklin, what kind of government have you given us? And Franklin responded, a republic, madam, if you can keep it. So when he said republic, he meant a democracy, a government of the people, by the people, for the people. And yet, in modern day America, we have to seriously ask, do we have a government that is of the people, by the people, and for the people? Well, let's put that theory to a test. And let's say, you know, recently, like after the election, this is in 2020, where Biden uh, beat Trump, and there was a Fox News poll that, you know, polled people on several different issues. But one issue is, do you want a government-run healthcare system? And 70% of people said yes. So this is in the election of 2020, and this is this poll is being taken of people that are coming out of the voting booth. But when people were in the voting booth, they did not have a choice to vote for a candidate who was for Medicare for all. They did not have a choice to vote for a candidate who was for a government-run health care system. So even though 70% of the people, according to a recent Fox News poll, even though 70% of the people were for Medicare for all, you could not vote for Medicare for all when you went to the polls. So we have to seriously ask, do we have a democracy? If you can't go to the polls, if 70% of people are in favor of Medicare for all, and you cannot go to the polls and vote for Medicare for all, then do we have a democracy? If most people want war to be a last resort, and, you, and yet you can't go to the polls and vote for anybody, but somebody that's, you know, a warmonger, Joe Biden, warmonger, Donald Trump, warmonger. You have a choice of voting for warmonger number one or warmonger number two. Those are your choices. So is that a democracy? If you can't go to the polls and vote for somebody who wants peace? Most people in the United States of America want uh, marijuana to be decriminalized and yet you can't go to the polls and vote for 
somebody who wants to decriminalize marijuana. Most people in the United States of America want to be able to get money out of politics. Most people, conservative and liberal, Republican and Democrat, in the United States of America want to get money out of politics. They don't believe that money should be the driving force in an election, presidential election, congressional election, state legislatures, governors, mayors. Most people overwhelmingly in the United States of America do not want money to be the driving force in elections, and yet that's what we get, and you're not going to find a candidate, except in rare cases, you're not going to find a candidate who is against money in politics, money funding elections. Which is only to say that we have to seriously ask, do we have a democracy or a plutocracy? Plutocracy is where money runs the show. Democracy is the rule of the people. Plutocracy is the rule of money. Plutocracy is the golden rule. Whoever has the gold makes the rules. So how does that relate to climate? It, it's like this. So if our system is, whoever has the gold makes the rules. So our system is driven by money and our system is therefore driven by people who have the money. Therefore, our system is set up to favor the people who have the money. For example, a corporation is not the only way to set up a business enterprise, but it is the way to set up a business enterprise if you're in the United States of America because the corporation is a vehicle that favors those who have money. Not only a corporation, but a big corporation, a big, large, gigantic corporation is a vehicle that favors those who have money. As David C. Corton says in his book, When Corporations Rule the World, the larger the corporation, the more skilled they are in shifting their costs onto the public. Shifting their costs onto the public means, that means they can decimate our democratic institutions. Shifting the costs onto the public means they can pollute our waterways. Shifting the costs onto the public means they can exploit labor by destroying unions. And shifting the costs onto the public means that they can constantly oppose a minimum wage, even though if you had a higher minimum wage, that would be good for communities. But more to the point, if you had a higher minimum wage, they wouldn't be able to give their employees a form that says, here, we don't pay you very much, but here's, some, uh, here's a form where you can apply for government benefits. So you have major corporations like Walmart that routinely, when they hire you, they give you a form that says, and here's a form you can use to apply for government benefits. 
nothing wrong with applying for government benefits, but if a corporation is making all this money, so the Walton family has more money than God. The Walton family, uh, you know, they're in the Lucky Sperm Club. They, they came out of the right womb. They have all this money, not because of anything they've ever done, because they inherited it from Sam Walton. You know, we could talk about whether Sam Walton, the patriarch and progenitor of the Walmart family, we could talk about whether he earned that money, but, there, but then he passed it on to his children and grandchildren, and they get to have all of this wealth even though they did not earn it. So on the top end of the food chain, you have people that are the wealthiest in America. And at the bottom end of the food chain, you know, the, the Walmart employees are not being paid a living wage. So they're not being paid enough to live on. And yet the shareholders at the top end of the company are among the richest people in America and the richest in the world. Which is to say that we have a plutocracy. The people who have the money make the rules. It's the golden rule. Whoever has the gold makes the rules. In this example, the owners of Walmart make the rules, and the thousands if not millions of people who work for them do not make the rules. So it's not hard to see how, you know, it's not democratic you know, the, the company of Walmart is not democratic because the people at the bottom don't make the rules. And Walmart lives in a political environment in which the Walmart employees as citizens cannot vote to change the rules that govern their workplace or their community or the foreign policy, etc. So this, this episode is about people first. Let's put people first. How does that relate to climate? How does it relate to climate to put people first? How are we going to solve this problem of climate change? So this is the climate report. We're talking about how to solve the problem of climate change. And Hart Hagen says that one of the main things to do is for us to have a democracy. That's it. Have a democracy. We could say, let's get back our democracy. But then you could say, well, maybe we never had much of a democracy to begin with, because in the beginning, only about 6% of people could vote. If you were white, male, you had property, then you could vote. Otherwise, meh, not so much. So let's put people first. Let's have a democracy because a democracy is not going to make a mess of things the way the plutocracy has made a mess of things because plutocracy is driven by money and money just wants to grow and expand. I've heard it said that our system is not run by capitalists. It's run by capital because capitalists are just people and people are just caught up in a system and they're caught up in a system in which that is driven by the need for capital 
to expand. And one way for capital to expand is for Joe Biden to have a climate plan that says, we have an opportunity to create whole new industries. Okay, Joe, whole new industries. We're going to create whole new industries. But is that what we really need to do? Do we need to create whole new industries or do we need to slow down? Slow down. Less is more. Maybe we need to create whole new industries or maybe we need to slow down, work less, and stop doing stuff. Like, you know, one of the things we do when we create whole new industries, one of the things we're doing is we're building stuff. We're changing land use. So changing land use means here's a field. Let's build a building on it. And then we're going to build a building on it. Maybe that building is a factory and the factory has toxic waste and the toxic waste goes into the water. And that's what happens when you create whole new industries. Maybe we need to not do that. In fact, maybe we need to say no new buildings. Do we not have enough buildings? I've heard something to the effect that, you know, we have a lot more vacant homes than we have homeless people. So we have lots and lots and lots of homeless people, but we have even more vacant homes. It's like, hey, can we get some homes for these homeless people? Uh, homes right over here. Homeless people over here. Homes over here. Out. Oh, homeless people. Here are some homes. Why can't we do that? Do we need to build more homes? We already have more homes than we have homeless people. We have more vacant homes than homeless people. One would think that maybe, just maybe, we don't need more homes just yet. And yet, what are we doing? Building homes and building homes and building homes. Why are we building homes? Well, because these people, they built this factory and these people needed to move close to the factory. But why did they build a factory? Well, maybe they built the factory for the military industrial complex. Well, we don't need that. Maybe they built a factory because they're supplying parts for cars. Well, we need to reduce the number of new cars we have. We need to reduce defense by 90%. Reduce defense by 90%. We need to reduce new cars by 90%. Reduce new cars by 90%. We need to reduce air travel by 90%. Reduce air travel by 90%. You might say, Hart, I like air travel. I like getting on a plane and going somewhere. Well, here's my response. Yeah, you like getting on a plane and going somewhere, but you don't know what the alternatives are because we have not really seen the alternatives. How would you like a world in which you have to work half as much as you do now? This is what I talked about last episode. We, why do we work so much? Well, partly we're paying for our cars. But, you know, cars are not a given. The backbone of the transportation system can either be cars or it can be trains and buses. 
Do we want cars? Do we need cars? Or car, are cars something that has been imposed upon us? If you look at the history, going back to the 40s, 50s, and 60s, cars are something that was imposed upon us because the government decided, at the behest of major corporations, but the government decided that it was going to build lots and lots of highways for cars instead at a ratio of a hundred to one the spending the ratio of spending on on highways versus spending on trains was about a hundred to one that it, for number one that is not an accident number two it's not democracy number three it's not the free market so we don't have all these highways because of democracy or a free market. We have all these highways because of big government and big business. So if we're building factories to make the parts for the cars, well, we really need to look at that because automobile transportation is a serious burden on the environment. This is the climate report. We are talking about how to solve the climate crisis, one major component of solving the climate crisis is to change our transportation system from one where you have to have a car to get around to one where maybe you can get around via train, via bus, via walking, via biking, via uh, motor scooters. Most people would prefer not to spend $8,000 per year per car because that's the average according to the American Automobile Association. In fact, I've lowered that number just a bit because I don't want to exaggerate. I'm giving you a conservative figure for how much it costs to own and operate a car. It's about $8,000 or more per year per car. How would you like to have that back in your family budget? So we spend too much money on cars out of the family budget. We spend too much money on defense out of the family budget. So what if we could reduce the demands on the family budget and have a situation where we could work less? Then if we work less, we wouldn't have to travel as much. If we don't have to travel as much, then that eases the burden on the climate. Plus, if we work less, we wouldn't have to have uh, so many other people cooking our meals. When we work more, we tend to need more fast food. And that is a burden on the environment. It's a burden on the climate. This is why I'm saying what we need is not what Biden says in Biden's climate plan. We need to create, we can create whole new industries. No, we don't need to create whole new industries. We need to slow down. We need to enjoy life. We need to have more freedom. We need to do what we want to do instead of what we have to do. We are slaves to a system that extracts from us money for our cars. We are slaves to a system that extracts from us money for the defense budget. The defense budget costs us three to five thousand dollars per year per person 
depending on what you count. And, you know, so Biden and others, see, a lot of the conversation around renewable energy is driven by Wall Street. Wall Street wants nothing more than to get a lot of government subsidies for solar panels and windmills and electric cars. They're already getting lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of subsidies for these things, especially electric vehicles. Show me one square, show me one cubic centimeter of an electric vehicle that was not uh, that does not owe a lot of its existence to government research, not least of all the technology that goes into them. Technology is a creature of government, especially the decades of basic science that's needed for technology, like computer technology. The reason, the reason we have computer technology, I would like to share with you why we have computer technology. Can I share that with you? The reason we have computer technology is because your parents and mine, your grandparents and mine, your great-grandparents and mine paid taxes. They paid taxes to the government. The government took the money and gave it to the Pentagon. The Pentagon is the Department of Defense. The Department of Defense is almost entirely responsible for the existence of computer technology. Computer technology was not feasible or marketable for the longest time. They started developing computer tech, you know, computer technology goes back to Pascal a couple hundred years ago, but you know, electronic computer technology started in, in the, you know, the mid 40s, it really started to go. Uh, because of the war effort, and then in the in, into the 50s, you have lots of investment in government tech. You, know, you have lots of government investment in computer technology. It was not marketable. None of that crap was marketable until the mid 60s. So at least 20 years of serious government investment goes into computer technology until you get to the mid 60s, when. IBM and Digital Equipment Corporation could then, you know, it was then available for marketing to large companies. And then you get into the 70s, you have microchip technology. The first microchip was on a guided missile. Uh, you know, a new a intercontinental ballistic missile had the first microchip. So lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of government government spending because of your grandparents, great-grandparents, and mine, lots and lots of taxpayer money going to the government to create computer technology to begin with. Not just the microchip, but also the Internet. The Internet is a creature of DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. So what I'm saying is that when corporations make profits, especially when those profits depend on technology, they owe a lot to the government, especially the federal government, and therefore they owe a lot to the taxpayer. So when you talk about solar technology and wind technology and electric vehicles, then those products are created by companies that are feeding at the government trough.
and they will want to feed at the government trough because that's mainly how you make money. Show me somebody who has lots and lots of money and I'll show you somebody who's feeding at the government trough. Another thing about people that are making lots and lots of money is that they own, collectively, they own the means of communication, so they own the media. So whether it's entertainment media or whether it's news media, they are telling us the stories that we buy into and then that's how public policy is made. So I've got about a minute left. Let me leave you with something to think about. This episode has been about people first, and we're laying the groundwork for how we can put people first, because if we're going to solve the climate crisis, we have to put people first, especially future people and also people in other countries who are the primary victims of the climate crisis, and they're already the primary victims of the climate crisis. So in future episodes, we're going to keep on talking about how to solve the climate crisis by putting people first. I hope you'll join me for that. Have a great day. Bye.